Thanks for listening to Orion's From the Battlefield to the Boardroom podcast. Recently, there's been a lot of buzz about the new Forever GI Bill. President Trump signed the Harry W. Colmery Veterans Educational Assistance Act of 2017 into law in mid-August. The new bill marks a significant expansion of veterans' education benefits, so we wanted to explore it in today's podcast. Our first guest, Allison Thomas, will discuss the changes to the former GI Bill and what it means for veterans pursuing a degree. Our second guest is a Marine Corps veteran who is currently utilizing his GI Bill. If you have any questions about this show or ideas for a future podcast, please send me an email at podcast at oriontalent.com. Hey, Allison, welcome to the show. Hi. So Allison, for all of our listeners, Allison's part of our marketing team, and she's kind of our resident GI Bill expert. So I thought with the new Harry W. Colmery Veterans Educational Assistance Act of 2017, a.k.a. the Forever GI Bill, in the news recently, that it would be a great time for us to have a podcast that talks a little bit about the new bill and how it impacts our veterans. So, Allison, what are some of the biggest differences in the Forever GI Bill as opposed to the previous bill? Um, well, of course, the biggest difference is reflected in the, the nickname for the bill, um, the Forever GI Bill. So that's the, the fact that there's no longer an expiration date on the bill for anyone who was discharged after January 1st, 2013. Uh, previously, they had a 15-year time limit to use the bill, and that, that will no longer apply for those veterans. Um, and then there's another change, of course there's multiple changes, but another one that's of note here would be that um, anyone who receives a Purple Heart can now get the full GI Bill amount, no matter how long they served, um, where previously they were subject to the same um, time and service qualifications as other veterans. So that's another great change too. Great. Like you said, there are lots of changes to it. So I thought we could just discuss some of the highlights. And one of the ones that I saw was that um, more people are going to be eligible for the yellow ribbon. And that's something I didn't know much about. So I wanted to see if you could explain that one a little bit. Sure. So it expands eligibility for the yellow ribbon program to surviving spouses or children of service members um, starting in August 2018 and then to active active duty service members in August 2022, whereas um, previously this was limited to um, veterans who were eligible for GI benefits at 100% level or their um, dependents using those benefits. So that's um, really expanding the pool of people that can use the yellow ribbon benefits. I know time and service kind of affects the eligibility under the new bill, so can you talk a little bit about that? Yes, so the new bill changes the way the VA uses this time and service to calculate eligibility, and this will start in August 2020. So um, so those service members who have at least 90 days but less than six months of active duty service um, will ha see their benefits increase from 40 to 50%, and service members with at least six months and less than 18 months of service will be eligible for 60%. And, of course, this kind of... Um, is more most helpful to reservists and national um, people in the National Guard because they would have you know uh, less time in service. Mm -hmm. Yeah, very good. Now, in terms of school shutdowns, that's something that we've heard a lot about in the news lately, most notably with ITT Tech. 
And I know that the Forever GI Bill is helping veterans kind of recoup some of those losses. So what will this new bill offer to veterans that previously would not have been available to them? So this is another great provision because it helps students who were who went to these for-profit schools that either shut down or lost their accreditation. So the bill will retro retroactively apply um, for any credits that they earned at those schools that did not transfer to new schools. So any portion of their GI Bill that they used in order to earn those credits um, will be given back to them. And this will apply um, for any school closings that occurred after January 1st, 2015. I think that one's huge because I was reading this article in Military Times and they were just, you know, talking about how this relates to veterans um, of the 40,000 ICT tech students who, you know, were kind of in limbo after the school closed its doors. I know 7,000 of those were recipients of the GI Bill, so they kind of saw wow. their benefits go to waste, yeah, and so they were, you know, sitting here thinking, well, they thought they made the right decision to pursue a advanced degree, whether it was, you know, um, whether someone chooses to go back for a bachelor's degree, master's degree, they're obviously doing it for the betterment and to further their career. So you think you're doing the right thing, and then one day it shuts down. So I could see why that would just be a big, you know, what do I do now moment. So I think this is definitely a huge, really great provision to the bill for sure. I'm sure it will be really popular. Yes. Now, when does this new bill take effect? So it'll affect different veterans. Um, uh, it'll affect veterans differently based on when they were discharged. So if they were discharged before uh, January 1st, 2013, they won't see any changes. They'll still have 15 years, um, and their housing allowance, which I'll talk about in a minute, will remain unchanged. If they're discharged after January 1st, 2013, they now have forever to use their GI Bill benefits. Um, but their, and their housing will remain at this higher rate. So anyone who's on active duty now and has not used the GI Bill um, and uh, who will be discharged after January 1st, 2018 will have forever to use their GI Bill, but their housing allowance um, will be at the lower rate unless they start using the GI Bill before the end of this year. Got it. Now, one of the other um, takeaways that I had from, you know, learning about the Forever GI Bill was just that the STEM degrees. So, obviously, these um, roles in science, technology, engineering, and math are very, very high in demand. And I know that the new bill, because of the fact that it takes longer than four years, they are able to fund on a first-come, first-served basis more of your schooling if you're pursuing a degree in one of those fields, which I think is great. Do you have any other key takeaways that you think veterans should know about this bill? Definitely. So um, one question that's asked about the bill is how are they paying for this bill? And I think that's important for veterans to know because it will affect their housing stipend depending on when they um, take advantage of the bill. So they had to decrease the, uh, the housing stipend in order to pay for these expansions. And I believe that's about a 1% decrease over the next five years. And I've read that that amounts to only about $100 less. Um, and this, that takes place on January 1st. And so that's, and then it applies to people who enroll in these benefits after that date. So anyone who is on a housing stipend now will not see a reduction, but anyone who does it after January 1st will see one. 
And um, interestingly, an article I read um, on military.com suggested that if you um, suggested that you use the, the GI Bill before the end of this year, if you're currently on active duty, or if you were discharged after January 13 and haven't used it yet, because that puts you in this kind of small group of people who will not have a time limit, but you can still get the increased housing um, stipend. Um, so that can amount to around a at least $1,000 more a year in housing than if you wait until 2018 to start using the bill. Great. So definitely a reason to try to get ahead of it if you can. I think that's exactly. good. That was one that I had not even thought about. But, of course, I, um, in my research I thought, you know, where, how does this get paid for? But that's definitely something I could see veterans wanting to know as well. Yeah, so they, if they can get on it now, they, it sounds like that that's what they should do. Great. Well, Allison, thank you for sharing your knowledge with us. Anything else that you would like to share? I think that about covers it, Megan. Okay, sounds good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, Megan. As I mentioned earlier in the show, our next guest, Josh Eads, is a Marine Corps veteran who is currently pursuing a degree utilizing his GI Bill. Josh will discuss his decision to pursue a degree, how it will help him achieve his career goals, and how he balances the pursuit of education with a full-time career. Hey, Josh, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining today. Thank you for having me. Of course. So before we get started, why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, well, I was, uh, I was born and raised in East Texas uh, in a small town called Jacksonville. Uh, I joined the Marine Corps in 2005. I served until about 2015. Um, and then uh, once I separated, I started working in talent acquisition for veterans. And, uh, and that's where I'm at today. Awesome. And what was the position that you held in the military? Well, uh, I ended up being an electronics maintenance chief and a, uh, a staff sergeant in the Marine Corps. That's, that's not where I started out, obviously. I started out as a ground uh, radio communications technician, and I worked my way up uh, to being a maintenance chief and going through the formal schools and then uh, being promoted uh, throughout the service or throughout my time in the Marine Corps. Very cool. And I understand that you are currently pursuing a degree with the GI Bill. So I wanted to ask you a little bit about that because the Forever GI Bill is something that's been in the news a lot lately. And so, you know, as part of this podcast, I thought it would be great to talk to somebody who is currently using the GI Bill and see what your thoughts are on it and just, you know, how it's been advantageous to you. So before you kind of started the whole process, did you feel like you were well educated on the benefits of the GI Bill? So, um, I, I ended up being well educated on the benefits of the GI Bill, but but not because it was just information that was in front of me. I had to seek out what we in the Marine Corps we have uh, in every unit what's called an education officer, and that's somebody who's in charge of, of that and many other responsibilities having to deal with it. But somebody who can educate young Marines or younger Marines on the GI Bill and the benefits available to them in and out of the service. So. I definitely had to seek the information out, but it was available to me to go get. So by the time I did separate, uh, I definitely had the tools I needed to be successful using it. Very good. Well, that's great that you had that resource available to you. So was it something that you had planned on doing then before separating from the Marine Corps, but it was just a matter of timing? Uh, pursuing an education and, and being a lifelong learner is definitely something that I've always wanted to do. I had my father to look up in that regard uh, after he separated from the Marine Corps, who you know, he was also a Marine. Uh, 
he went to work, he got out in the workforce and realized how important an education was. So as an adult, he went and got his education as well. Um, then he went on to a you know, postgraduate degree and then is still pursuing education and certifications in his industry. So he's a, he's a lifelong learner and that's been a great example for me. But um, while I was separating from Marine Corps, I knew that if I wanted to have it as an option, I needed to, uh, you know, quote unquote, get smart on it so that I could use it as a tool. Yeah, very good. And it's good that you have a example to look up to for that. I think that I'm sure your dad then is someone that you admire in terms of an education standpoint. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So where do you currently go to school and what type of degree are you pursuing? Uh, I'm currently going to the Williams College of Business at Xavier University. And uh, what I'm pursuing is a, a business management degree with a minor in entrepreneurship. Awesome. So what, what was it about that that made you decide, hey, this is the career or the educational path for me? Uh, well, because of the industry that I'm in and because we work across so many industries and so many businesses, uh, I wanted to understand better uh, on the backside of what was going on with everybody that we helped out. I wanted to pursue a minor in entrepreneurship just because I think that's an important spirit to have in the company, you know. You never settle. You you always innovate and you always keep pushing forward. So I, I wanted to have an entrepreneurship background too to to help drive uh, the future of a company, and I think that would help in in any business that anybody would be in. Yeah, definitely. And you know, you talked a little bit already about your motivation for pursuing a degree, and that it was something that you know you had kind of learned from your dad, and then also just when you left the Marine Corps, you had planned to do so, but. Why did you feel that this was the right time to do it? Uh, well, it, it had a lot to do with um, the ability to, to go physically to a school. I had, I had done the, the online schooling for a while while I was in the service, and I, haven't, I hadn't at the time been able to give it my, my full undivided attention just because of deployment tempo or professional education or uh, you know, duties that I had obligated myself to within the Marine Corps. Those, those had to come first at the time. Uh, so when I separated, I had the time to devote to it, and it, it became a number one priority for me outside of my, my professional development. Yeah, very good. Now, we talked a little bit about you know what your degree is in and why you wanted to pursue that, but I wanted you to talk just briefly maybe about how you think that obtaining this degree will help you with your career goals. Oh wow, there's uh, there's just so many reasons that I think that it's that it's beneficial to, to anybody um, who's already in the workforce to pursue a degree if they have the ability and the time to do so. Um, but first and foremost for me was uh, critically thinking, not to say that you can't critically think if you're not going to school, but it's that's a place where you're forced to do it all the time and it, it's almost like a muscle group that you work out. If, if you're forced to critically think all the time, it, it ends up bleeding over in other areas of your life and it just helps out a lot, especially at work. Uh, professional communication is another one uh, because of the industry I'm in uh, you know market market trends was a huge thing that that made a lot of sense to me while I was learning it at school so it helps me understand again a, a different facet of the business that I'm in uh, you know taking SHRM courses it helps me learn human resources uh, and uh, but but most of all I think professional communication is 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 a is a key factor in any business because that's uh, one thing that in the military doesn't translate well outside of the services learning how to professionally communicate in a business because uh, it's almost a different language i think that's a really interesting one and you came back to it so i was gonna 
ask you a question about it anyway. I do think that that's one of the things that a lot of military candidates struggle with as they're transitioning off of active duty. And it's even something that, you know, we as as a recruiter, you would help kind of coach them on how to communicate. And, um, you know, they already have all this great experience. It's just how do I communicate that? How does it translate into a civilian career? So I would think that now this information that you're learning in your business classes would be really invaluable because now it's like you've got the experience, you have all of your time in the Marine Corps, all of the lessons learned there, and now you're truly becoming a business professional too, and you're really able to communicate and almost, you know, be part of both worlds. Absolutely, and I, and I, I could not stress the importance of, of learning that, you know, intangible skill. You can you can read it, but in, I think until you learn it for somebody who's who has the experience, they, they have the tenure at the school, and, and they have um, real-world applications for you to use it in, uh, then it, it, it's a skill that, that's hard to learn on your own. So it, it is something that I really appreciate uh, learning at the schoolhouse. Yeah, awesome. So you did just mention, you know, the fact that it's always going to be a lot more valuable when you're learning it from somebody that has real-life experience and they have, you know, a lot of knowledge in that field and they know what they're talking about. So are there any business leaders that you look up to and what is it that you admire about them? So uh, right off the top of my head, um, the first person that comes to mind is uh, uh, Dr. Thomas Clark. Um, he's a he's a tenured professor at Xavier University. He's a very successful uh, businessman, entrepreneur. Uh, he's a consultant on the side and uh, he's the one that, that taught you know professional communication emotional intelligence and the importance of that in the workplace and there's just so many things that I've learned from him about business about people about what drives both uh, that you just can't find in a book and um, I think you know I'll be forever grateful to him for that yeah that's awesome I don't think that everyone can leave their um, their professional development, whether it's in, you know, a course that they're taking through work or something that they're taking through school and have that same impact that someone's made. So I think that's great. So Josh, working to balance your education and career takes a lot of dedication and hard work, as I'm sure you can attest to. So what has been the most challenging or rewarding experience you've had so far? Um, well, I think uh, a lot of service members fall into this category too. Is uh, we're we're so used to being under pressure, and, and we thrive in that. So uh, you know, if I'm not at school, if I'm not busy, um, sometimes I work to fill the void. And I know that's a that's a terrible habit to fall into, but because I'm going to school full time, I'm working full time. I'm you know I'm a husband, I'm a father. Uh, guarding my time has has been the biggest challenge that I've had to face. Uh, but with that, it's it's helped me develop time management. It's helped me uh, develop, you know, milestones, achievable goals, and you know, getting in the habit of doing that has been extremely uh, beneficial to me. And that's um, that's probably been one of the most rewarding things about this is it's helping me in every facet of my life, not only school and work, but it's just it's helping me um, guard my time and, and develop those tools. Yeah, and I think that time management that's definitely something that is very very useful in the business world but also just in life in general so it's a good life lesson to have do you have any advice for a job seeker that may be listening that's also thinking about obtaining their bachelor's degree but 
maybe they're not sure to, how to get started, whether it's, you know, how do I learn more about the GI Bill and how do I make sure that I'm taking advantage of those benefits that I've earned, or even if they're wondering what the value would be, what advice would you have for them? Um, to, to, to go and go and do it, it number one is just to, to, to go for, if nothing else, for education's sake, to, to pursue an education. Um, somebody gave me a good piece of advice once that said, Josh, nobody ever listened their way out of a job. And, uh, and, and that rang true to me for forever. And so I, I hold to that in the same way at work is the same way at school. You, there's nothing bad that's going to come of listening and learning something. Um, but it's, I think in, in, in every way it has been beneficial to me and there's been, there's no been no bad recourse for this, uh, in my professional life or my personal life. It is challenging. It is time consuming. Um, even if they don't know what they want to do, uh, going to college and getting started on your basic courses, um, it, it feels good if you know you feel accomplished when you when you're working through those things and you're successful. And I think really the majors that you chose and that you kind of explained why those were appealing to you at the beginning are great majors. I mean, you really can't go wrong with a business degree, especially. That's always something that is going to be highly valued, highly sought after by civilian employers. So, um, you know, at least I think what you could do is just start out where you think your basic interests lie and make sure that you're choosing a degree that's going to serve you well in the future and something that you know is going to be in demand like what you chose to do. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Very good. Well, Josh, good luck in the pursuit of your degree, and I'm excited to touch base with you here in the future and see where it's taken you. Well, thank you, Megan. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you.